This podcast is made possible by Vital Smarts, the Speak Up experts. With more than 30 years of conversation research, three New York Times bestselling authors and over 3 million people trained, that's Vital Smarts. If you're struggling to hold a tough conversation in the office or at home, visit vitalsmarts.com.au slash DSTM to master your speak up skills and create an environment of accountability. I was a bit worried about you yesterday. I've got bridge and then I've got a ballet matinee. I know. How good is that? And we came second to bridge too. Bloody old ladiesville, isn't it? <laughs> He's so angry. As um, a person well known to you, and I said, Sam sounded like a grumpy neighbour at a VCAT hearing, which I thought was quite a funny line. How curious it is that John Walsfold has a team in the finals and everybody's talking about him being axed. What well, if he gets to the grand final with Essendon? Well, he won't be axed. <laughs> he might survive anyway, but he's certainly looking precarious as we speak. Remember years ago we heard the story of somebody who had their ashes made into a firecracker oh, and they had a big party <laughs> down in, in Port Phillip Bay and they let themselves off and they scattered and everybody drank champagne under the fireworks. I would love to be able to hit the D floor and just wow everyone. But <laughs> You're not too bad. No, I'm not great. In your own I've only kind got of about three moves, let's face it. Ballet matinee sort of way. <laughs> Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. What's happened to your diary? Well, it's a bit of a disaster Actually, at the happened, moment. What's happened to your life? I'm, I'm just, I had a very, I've had a very busy week. I'd love to say it was all footy related, but it hasn't been. I've just heard that but, you have an RSVP to the Brownlow. Well, I actually haven't seen the invitation. I'm very happy to know that I've got one. And um, a certain member of my family who is very keen to come with me this year. What about me? <laughs> well, sorry, but... <laughs> I thought we might revisit the Brownlow of um, 2003. When you wore your top inside out or upside down. Upside down. No, a certain member of my family who behaved rather badly last time with a bit of stalking of the winner, not in any sort of weird predatory way, but in a rather... um, juvenile way has been banned from coming with me ever since, but maybe she'll be invited this oh, year. Oh, well, I, 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 can, I, can work, right. I can work out which family member that is, because the other she is overseas. Hey, yeah. it's uh, Don't Shoot the Messenger, everyone. Sorry for not introducing ourselves properly, but we've been looking at our diaries, Carol and I, to try and catch up. I'm sorry we I didn't seen respond to your other. message two days ago about planning dinner. I didn't even see that message. When you send your very dear friend a text saying, how about dinner next week? Just heard this great restaurant has opened up around the corner and you don't receive a text back. It's hard not to take it personally. It really Oh, is. look, please. I didn't even see it. Of course, I'd love to have dinner with you at that lovely new restaurant. I'm looking forward to having dinner at that lovely new restaurant. Hey, everyone. It's Don't Shoot the Messenger and it's a very busy week for my friend Caroline Wilson, Mrs. Football, as she loves to be called, because... Footy's back on the agenda, and we'll talk about that in a little moment, whether the gap week is a good or bad thing for football. I'm Corrie Perkin. This is episode 99. A very big number. (laughs) It's a very big number, but next week, of course, we have our 100th birthday party, which... Uh, has booked out. I'm sorry to those who missed out on joining us at the bookshop next week, but we will be recording it and we hope you are there in love and spirit. Carol, we've got a bit of a full house, apart from the fact we haven't seen each other for a whole week. There's so much to discuss. You've been to the ballet. Uh, I have been, what have I been doing? I don't know what I've been doing. I've you've been, been, you've had a bit of a seaside. I had three days, yeah, three days off down at the beach, which was really great, or four actually, but I came 
back from the beach to do the Father's Day trading. So that was a bit of a well, How did that go? Oh, it was very good this year, even though there's a recession and nobody wants to talk about it. But, Carol, we've got a I've bit of... I've been to um, Sydney. I went to Sydney. Oh, that's right. You went to Sydney. I went to Sydney for five days. That's it. That's one of the reasons you haven't seen me. You know, I'm so I'm I'm feeling so sad for you because of your football diary, and in fact, it's all been social, social. Well, there's a lot on at the moment because there's one other thing that's happened, Corey. It's spring, but something's never changed. You're keen to talk about the Democratic primaries, which doesn't surprise me. No, of course it doesn't. I, I, there are some listeners who are interested in this. I'm more interested in British politics this week. It sounds like surely oh. there's going to be an election. Surely. He's organised the whole thing for an election. There will be an election. They we'll, need an, I'll tell you what they need. They don't need an election. They need another referendum. They Just, do. Um, Carol, we've had lots of feedback uh, this week. Everybody's been very chatty. On Instagram, SCW101 referred to your uh, August challenge of cooking out of old cookbooks and she said, I've had the silver palette cookbooks for years. My copies are filthy, falling apart and full of scribbled notes on when I cooked the recipe. Some of the notes are more than 25 years ago. They are my go-to cookbooks. Love your show. Thank you very much, SCW. Isn't that – well, my, you saw mine. Mine was pretty grubby and filthy. And the one I've brought in this week, Corrie, the recipes, it seems to have a – look, 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 I'm showing you. Oh, show and tell. It's a coffee stain or oh, a, maybe ew. it's a something stain. Oh, you know. I, it's a very good can recipe, I admit, though. Can I admit something to you just quietly, you and Jane? No what? one else is to know this. I received a paper cut on – Saturday morning. Or nothing more painful. Nothing worse. Well, actually, there probably is. And I was, in the, I was in the shop. There was lots of things more painful, but it was a bit difficult. Anyway, I was, uh, there were 10 deep at the counter and I was wrapping and I realised I was wrapping and leaving blood. <gasps> On the wraps. <laughs> oh, Corey. On the wraps. That's terrible. A couple of them I had to confess and redo. I, a couple went out of the shop. I thought, oh, God, I hope they don't notice. And then I raced up the back and got a Band-Aid. I'm sorry. Look, occupational health and safety, guilty. I can't one-up that, but I've got an embarrassing moment of the week too. So I was on a panel at a Sydney Swans function last Thursday in Sydney at the Hyatt Regency, I think it was, in Sussex Street, near where the Sydney Morning Herald is and will soon be moving. Anyway... Speaking of, what about Channel 9 holding a Liberal fundraiser? Oh, I can't. Oh, but don't get me started. Can I'm you imagine, so angry. Can you imagine if The Age had done that for the Labor Party, what it, people would have said? Oh, don't get me started. Anyway, that, I digress. So I'm doing this function and I'm on a panel with Sam Moston, who's now the Sydney Swans director, former commissioner, and Andrew Pridham, the chairman, Tim Lane hosting the, the chat. Sam Lane was hosting the whole thing. It was a wonderful day. Oh, so, how is Sam Lane? He was great. She sends her love. I sat with people. People like um, David Sharma, the new member for Wentworth, and Deborah Hutton was on my table. Was, I said to Tom Harley, who was the CEO of the Sydney Swans, if I could ask him a few questions on the record about mental health and the soft, the football department, uh, soft cap. So we leave the function at the end of it, just leave the room to go to one of those high top tables, you know, where you have drinks before a function. And I realised I didn't have any paper. But I had these little pink sticky notes, sticky notes, which I got out of my bag. I said, I'm really sorry about this, Tom, but excuse the pink sticky notes. My glasses weren't big enough to be able to read. I managed to write So you two. wrote on them, but then you couldn't read your writing. <laughs> oh, you I, are getting old, I finally, I finally got... Um, found the right light and the two key quotes that Tom Harley had given me about it. But anyway, that was a little bit embarrassing. Anyway, thank you to Ken Latchford, Corrie, <coughs> who cooked my duck recipe and loved it. Oh, 
quack quack to you, Ken. And we'll, we'll Some do it of again. Us don't eat that, we've got a message um, from Megan Rule, one of our keen listeners, which I'm actually going to refer to when we do our six quick questions, Caro. So remind me to do that. Now, August Challenge final report. Yes. Cookbook. Had, yeah. I've got it here. Yes. Oh, you did another, You did one last cook before you went to Sydney. Well, we had to get out, you know, a recipe that I, I wanted. My rule is to go back to old recipe books. Well, I got out Marcella's Kitchen, a uh, woman well known to you, Corrie, Marcella Hazan. Mm-hmm. I bought this secondhand in Queenscliff at a book club weekend years ago. It is the best cookbook. Anyway, I made – you probably won't like pork either if you don't like duck. No, uh, no, because I, 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 I don't see pigs very often. It's just the ducks at the golf course. Arista di Meali like in Tegami con i Pori, which is oh. a really bad Italian, Italian it's could, pan, you, could you do a better accent than that? Pan Try. roasted. I did it for two years at school. I wasn't very good at it. Pan you can't, you roasted. can't sing. You can't do French or Italian accents. No, I know. I did French all the way through, though. I yes. Good VCE French. I know, but we had a French thing a few months ago. My accent's and it's dreadful. Correct. I know. Pan roasted pork loin with leeks. This is the most beautiful recipe. It's for four people. It's only got seven ingredients. They are leeks, butter, pork loin roast with rib bone in, salt, vegetable oil, flour, black pepper and dry white wine. That's it. Actually, eight ingredients. I won't read the whole recipe, but this is from Marcella's Kitchen. But it was a winner. A classic cookbook, a classic recipe. Hey, Carol and Jane, don't you just think that the leek is a, I wouldn't say maligned, but an often looked over vegetable? I love a leek. As Anna from the op shop has often said about dill, or red onion, what dish is not enhanced by red onion. You can insert leek, I reckon. Roasted leeks. Leek for any form of soup. Soups? Yeah, because you don't have to add and now, cream. Now, Jane, you're going to tell me you grow it, don't you? No, I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but when I used to work at farmer's markets for an organic farmer, Gary Sweet, the Australian actor. Oh, yes. Swore, from Police Rescue. Swore by leeks as a very natural form of Viagra. He would come and buy a whopping oh. grape bunch. <laughs> Well, quite proudly hold them up in front of customers oh, and go, "Come on, guys, well, get with, into with his, down his pants." They're full oh, of zinc. With his really? with his checkered love life, he probably needed Viagra. Oh, come on, <laughs> let's clean it up. I went to yoga twice. I was booked in yes. to go three times, but I had to pull out of the third. Uh, Good girl. Session. So well I am on the roll. And next week at the one hundredth episode party, I am going to show you and Miss Jane and our gang who are there. My inspiration, that what has finally helped me with yoga positions, I'm going to show you the book that's helped. Now, I thought t- you were going to do a bit of a demo, a bit of a downward dog. <laughs> I'm that- <laughs> In a frock. Warrior. That's great, Corrie. Well done. I'm very impressed. Now, September. Oh, I haven't even thought about that. You oh, go first. really? You go first. Well, you're going to make up one on the run. Well, if you, you yes, tell me I know, Yes, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Tell us. Well, there is a really good book in our bookshop called The Morris Modern, which is a beautiful coffee table book which looks at the wonderful houses of that particular modernist period that were built in Bemorris when Bemorris was resettled and reconfigured and redeveloped after the war. This is a great book, and I was looking through it the other day again because uh, it's my go-to, and uh, so many childhood memories came back to me because, of course, I spent most of my youth wandering the streets of Reserve Road and Balcom Road and Hayden's Road and all that sort of sp- stuff and down to Ricketts Point. And I Sounds thought, a very specific book. <laughs> it is. It's not just memories flood back. And, and so I got into the memory thing, you see, Caro, and, I, and, and architecture, and I thought, what I'm going to do in September for my challenge, because my challenge was going to be I want to get back to walking. 
And I thought, no, look, I've already done that as a, as a challenge. My challenge is going to be to do four walks that are architecture walks, capturing different periods of Melbourne design. So one of them will be around the streets of Bowie. Another one I thought I would love to do is the area where uh, Barry Humphreys grew up in Camberwell, where they've got those um, pre-Second World War houses. You know there's that whole development, the Californian bungalow development. Yes, yes. So I kind of vaguely know where that is. I think it's off Camberwell Road. but You can maybe, pop into Wattle Park while you're there. <laughs> or maybe one of the potties could tell me exactly where I would be going. Another one I thought, that wonderful area around Carlton, Rathdown Street, that sort of area, and do sort of Victorian homes. Lovely. And I can't think of my fourth, but I'll think of it. So anyway, um, I'm not going out to... Temple Stowe to do 1980s McMansions, but I'll think of some sort of important period of architecture. So I thought I would do these walks and, you know, just kind of live and breathe Melbourne architecture. That sounds very altruistic and very impressive. I thought so too. Maybe I'll come along with for one or two of them. Oh, maybe you could if I invite you. Now, uh, maybe we could have 300 potties coming with us. (laughs) You'd be be happy to have me, Corrie. (laughs) Now, so do you want to come up with a challenge or do you want to think about it? Well, I mean, I I do have a challenge, but it's pretty boring and much more self-centred, or not self-centred, but selfish. I've got some serious home improving to be done. We have a we have a leaking roof. We have a garden that is desperate for some care. We've got a shed we want to build. So I'm embarking on home improvements. Yeah, but you're not going to be building the shed or putting the new I, roof on. No, but there's a lot of work to be done in organising. Well, clericals ringing up ringing up no, Martin but, and saying Martin. No, there's no. There's oh, about how is five, Martin? Martin's about, not going to have any time to come to my house. There's I can about see that. five different things I need to do. Um, and it's all a bit of a disaster at the moment. So that will be. I'll, I'll well, that's fill you your in. challenge. Brand that new that home. could end up being a grumpy, a crush. It could end up. <laughs> <laughs> quick question. Anywhere. <laughs> um, Caro, I'm really interested in this one week break uh, in football, and it hasn't really worried me or concerned me or been on my radar probably until this year. I'm not quite sure why. And I was wondering how people feel about it. I found a co- a co- an old column from your colleague Rowan Connolly, The Age 2016, this was written, which I gather was the first year that we had the break before the final started. And he said he didn't, he didn't like it. He didn't approve of it at all. And he said, what it threatens to do is negate all that hard work over the preceding five months as one season finishes and another begins all teams effectively equal. And Rowan goes on to say that devalues what's gone on before. Do you agree with it or do you think, like I do, great time, excitement builds and, you know, end of one chapter, on with the next? Yep. No, I, I don't agree with that. And, and Me or Rowan? I don't agree with Rowan right. because he wrote that column before the Western Bulldogs won the flag. And this was a big talking point because, of course, they'd finished seventh. And it had, he had to go back to the 90s to find a team that had finished outside the top four winning the flag. And there was a lot made of the Bulldogs got a lot of, lot of players back. They'd been flogged by Fremantle at the end of the season. They had to go back to Perth two weeks later as massive underdogs. They beat West Coast over in Perth. They came back here. They beat the reigning Premier Hawthorne in Melbourne at the MCG. And, you know, of course, they normally play their home games um, Marvel Stadium. Then they went up to Sydney and beat GWS. That great game. One of the yeah, I, best I was, finals. I was there. It was oh. one of the most incredible football nights Amazing. of my life. And then they beat the Swans on the MCG. So there was a lot made of the fact that now all teams could win it from anywhere. Um, I thought that was wonderful. I don't like the reason they brought it in. They brought it in because the year before Brad Scott, who was coaching North, dropped something like ten players. 
in the last round because it didn't matter mm. whether they won or lost. They were playing Richmond, they got beaten by Richmond, and then they came back the following week and beat Richmond in an elimination final, yet another losing elimination final for the Tigers. But um, And the AFL didn't know what to do about this. So it was to stop that strategic planning. Well, it was hurting the integrity of the game because other teams in the, in the eight were – Adelaide, my memory, they were really badly affected by this and it meant they could drop down. So – the integrity of the game was in trouble. The AFL wasn't prepared to come down hard and make rules against coaches doing this, which Ross Lyon had done something similar a few years earlier. So they just created a buy and everyone went, what? However, look, uh, it's a bit boring in the actual weekend of the buy, but this year you know, it was Father's Day. There were some great VFL finals. There was, in the lead up, they had the All-Australian, the Rising Star, the Most Valuable Player. And yes, it was a little bit weird and dull, but now we're at fever pitch as we, we sit here and talk. Exactly. We're on the eve of four brilliant finals in a row. So yes, no, I don't agree with that. And quite interesting also, I, I, I want to talk about this a bit more in our bonus episode, Footy Tips, which I'm sure everybody subscribes to as well. But I wanted to just ask you about how curious it is that John Walsfold has a team in the in the finals and everybody's talking about him being axed. What well, if he gets to the grand final with Essendon? Or he won't be axed. <laughs> he might survive anyway, but he's certainly looking precarious as we speak. It's very odd. Uh, you wanted to talk about something peculiar. Well, it was peculiar to me when you texted it yesterday, but I have since done my homework. The bromance between Prime Minister Scott Morrison and Daniel Andrews, the Victorian Premier, which I had, I thought, what bromance? And then I discovered on Neil Mitchell, I had a bit of a listen to Scott Morrison's interview this week, and Neil Mitchell did ask him what's going on between you and the Premier. And of course, he said, look, it's all about we share so many interests. We just want to get on and build things, which I thought sounded like a couple of little boys in the sandpit with their cranes um, and trucks. And I think, look, Scott Morrison. And then your husband, Brendan Donoghue, actually put it to them. Was it I can't remember which news service it was last night or the night before on Channel 7. He actually asked them at a stand-up interview. They were were doing some announcement about the Monash Freeway. And he actually, your husband asked them about the bromance and they both giggled like a couple of kids. It was hilarious. (laughs) Like a couple of young loves. Well... I can't say that's the hardest question Brendan's ever had to ask in his in his journalist. No, it was entertaining though. It was really I think he obviously clearly gave me the idea for the topic. But oh look, I just think that um, major projects are what governments love. You know, previous state governments have been so desperate for projects. And Daniel Andrews, the Andrews government is just chock a block full of projects. I mean, we're about we're going to have Marvel Stadium soon. We've obviously got roads, 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 and there's money coming from the federal government to do so. I mean, my interest is obviously football stadiums and Geelong and this ongoing sort of lobbying really for a home final at Geelong is because they really think it's unfair. They have to play away, play at the MCG, which I disagree with, but they, they need money from the federal government too to um, go to stage five of Cadinia Park, which they're trying to turn into a high 30s, maybe even 40,000 seat stadium. So major projects of jobs. And Do you think it's a boy thing? No. Do you think if we had a female no. premier, a female, female prime no, minister, they'd be Corrie. standing there with their trucks and their cement mixers behind them saying, yeah, you know, we really believe in building things together? You remember Joan Kerner in a hard hat and Julia Gillard. What are you talking <laughs> Never about? Never a good look for and a Carmen woman, Lawrence. dare I say. Hey, Carol, you know Lynn Wright, who's, an, who's another lovely potty we love. She called into the bookshop the other day and then she actually posted on the uh, Don't Shoot Pod Instagram account. We were talking about, she said, I heard you talking about women in Rwanda, that Rwanda government has the highest 
highest percentage of female representation in the world. I think it's like 60-something percent. And Lynn said, we were fortunate enough to visit there a few years ago and were absolutely blown away by the country. Considering it's only 20 years since the genocide, Rwanda is now the food bowl of Africa. There is no litter. And once a month, citizens take to the streets to ensure it remains that way. Kigali, the capital, is so safe you can walk the streets at any time and there is virtually no crime. So, Corey, I have to agree, we need more women in government. Isn't that a great message? Isn't that, that is. interesting? Good on you, Lynn. Yes. Lovely to hear very from you. Very observant. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was very. Uh, Lynn's got inspiring. a big wedding coming up. I think her own. Yeah, her daughter. Okay. Yeah. Uh, her I've beautiful got, daughter and chef I've got, extraordinaire I've got, Alice. I, yeah. I have the uh, I have the guidebook there for you, Lynn. What to do in weddings when you're the mother of the bride when they're in the south of France. Oh, no, that would be nice. I don't know how to do that. I'm happy to learn. (laughs) But one thing I will say, just back, Daniel Andrews obviously won the last election in a landslide. Scott Morrison won the unwinnable election um, with very, very different campaigns. But the one thing that happened was that Victoria didn't perform as well for Labor, federal Labor, as they hoped, but Scott Morrison still lost seats. So it's not going to hurt him electorally either, surely. Oh, I'm very happy if they've got a bromance going. Now, I want to ask you about what you did on Father's Day. You oh. went and visited your dad. Well, <laughs> well, I sort of did. But on the 1st of September, my mother died a few years ago, and it just happened to coincide with Father's Day. And I think this is the first time since she died that the two days have coincided. Now, for anybody who's lost a dad, Father's Day, I mean, put Mother's Day to another side. Let's talk about dads for a minute. Father's Day is a particularly uh, emotional day. Uh, I can't explain how I feel on Father's Day. It's very peculiar, especially when your dad died over 40 years ago. You go back to your 10, 12, 14-year-old self, you remember all of the events that, you know, the lunches where grandparents would come and the Father's Day thing. And it's very sad. So it coincided with the anniversary of my mother's death. And I've never been to the Springvale Crematorium. I went once years ago with mum. I took her there to visit dad. A few years ago, mum received a letter from the Springvale Crematorium. When my father died in 1975, they planted a little sapling gum tree. And they contacted her and said, look, one of the boughs is, is, has died and we have to do serious maintenance on your tree. So, you know, mum said, oh, God, that costs a fortune. So anyway, we had it done and that was all okay. And then when she died, we had her ashes planted beside dad's. So I went out the other the other day. First of all, it's such a great place, the Springvale Crematorium. Yeah. Although there are people in the coffee shop, not really my thing to go there and have lunch. But anyway, so go to the, the very helpful information centre. They look up the name of your relative and they say, oh, yes, in the Fuchsia Garden, which I thought was so 70s and perfect for dad. And there in the Fuchsia Garden, it's tree number 12, you know, whatever part of the garden, is this massive, massive gum tree. In fact, I'll put a photograph of it on um on on our Instagram account because it's interesting to see how a forty how big a forty five year old gum tree actually is, and it's got this real sort of V thing happening because they had to take out this dying centre bough or branch or trunk, so it goes in two ways. So it's almost like mum and dad, and then it comes down to this big, huge. I couldn't even put my arms around the trunk, Caro. I did try. I thought this is going to look odd. People will be thinking, oh, she's trying to hug her parents. How sweet. No, I just wanted to see how big the trunk was. And anyway, it was peaceful. It was really lovely. I didn't have any sort of particular 
emotion other than nostalgia. I wasn't thinking, oh, here they are underground, nothing like that. But it made me think about all those people, and you and I have talked about these and sometimes had jokes and things about what would we do. Remember years ago we heard the story of somebody who had their ashes made into a firecracker oh, and they had a big party <laughs> down in, in Port Phillip Bay and they let themselves off and they scattered and everybody drank champagne under the fireworks. Um, and then our friend, um, I won't say her name, but um, her, she and her sisters and her mother went down to the Point Lonsdale back beach with the urn of the father's ashes. And the mother said, just give me a moment, girls, I'm going to spread the ashes. And the southerly from Bass Strait hit her at the same time and the father's ashes flew all over her fur coat. Yeah, I remember the ashes <laughs> on the fur coat. And but, I've got another friend who um, put them into a pot plant, a lemon in a pot, whenever they made a gin and tonic they would um, take a lemon from the pot and slice it up for the gin and tonic and they made, always made an extra one for her. Oh, how and, lovely is and, that? And they'd just pour it back into the plant and all raise a glass to her. So, so my, she was watering herself. I know that sounds a bit weird. but it, it no, actually, it's, it's cute. Yeah. But funny things have happened. I mean, the stories of people driving around with their parents in the car for two years and things. We had Pete's father because his, um, his parents uh, was were um, American citizens, but they came back to Australia to be buried. But we had Pete's ashes in our walk-in wardrobe for about two years, to the point where I said, look, I'm sorry, but this is just slightly freaking me out. We need to do something with this problem. But I'm really interested to hear Potty's responses to this. But it is it is a funny thing, you know, where do you go? What are you going to do? Oh, look, I... Well, not that you're going to do it, but what are your instructions? Well... I mean, obviously, I'll be cremated, I guess. I don't want to be buried. I don't think any, hardly anyone does. Well, a lot of people do, but I won't be. Probably somewhere by the sea. I don't think they allow any more people at the MCG, do they? <laughs> I haven't really... It's full as a gook there. To be honest, I haven't thought about it, Corrie. What about you? I don't know. I sometimes think being thrown into the sea would be lovely, but then you might end up outside Port Phillip Bay and floating down to Antarctica, and that'd be a bit lonely. I'm not sure. A nice garden bed somewhere, but then you probably have to get permission. I'm not sure. Well, maybe my own Hopefully garden bed. Hopefully we have bed. years to think about it, Karen. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I know family members have asked this question, and they say, look, I'd really prefer not to think about it, <laughs> to be honest. Um, so anyway, on to cheerier subjects. Well, it sounds you, like you a, lovely, a... a lovely visit. Well, it was a lovely and visit. And when I looked at the photo of the tree, I kept thinking of that song, and it's been in my brain ever since. Remember Bobby Goldsborough, Honey, I Miss You, See yes. the Tree, How Big It's Grown? Yes. I kept thinking about, yes. that is one of the saddest songs, and I don't know why, but it's been in my head ever since I saw your photograph. Well, anyway. I, look, I, I normally wouldn't uh, Instagram something like that. It's normally Cornish Walks with you, but I just thought there are probably a lot of people out there who actually are going through a similar kind of thing today, especially being Father's Day. And I just thought... Here you go. You know, you can always plant a plant and on it goes. Now, Caro, on to other things. I think you are, um, you have a crush. I do. I, I was do. going to say you're grumpy, but you actually have a crush. Oh, I'm both. I do have a crush and I'm grumpy. This will be another one that you're going to like, Corrie, and it's not a football person. His name is well known to you, David McAllister. I went and heard him mm. speak the other day. My old friend. At a lunch. He made, he's the artistic director of the Australian Ballet Company. Not only did I hear him make the most wonderful speech, he's a great speaker, mm. I didn't realise. And he has been in the job for over 10 years, so he's really nailed the CEO yep. kind of aura. about. He was always charismatic as a dancer, but now in this new administrative role, he just shines. Well, he, he gave the impression that he probably wouldn't miss EBA negotiations, <laughs> nor would he miss um, budget review meetings <laughs> when he made this speech, but he told some of the funniest stories about, um, about his early start 
started. Obviously, he's a West Australian coming over here as a teenager, dancing at the old ballet school out in... Flemington. Yeah, Flemington, um, coming to the National Gallery where he was actually speaking um, the other day. He was so interesting and so funny and about funny stories about dropping people and falling on top of people and laughing themselves stupid on stage. He was wonderful. And then the next day I went and saw Sylvia, which is currently showing at the State Theatre. It's a three part well it's it's got two intervals. Um it's it's an ancient Greek It's called three X. Three X, that's the word. I'll take Thank I'll you. take you out of the football field into the ballet well, world. Well it's a co production. Just, just quietly we Thank will. you, thank you. Yes. Um it's there's, there's not there's not quarter time and half time, but it's there's not. two intervals. But it's a co production between the Houston Ballet Theatre, which is it's Stanton Welsh has done the whole thing, choreographed the whole thing. It is brilliant. It is beautiful. It's some um, Basically, God's behaving badly. You know, it's all about the ancient Greeks. You know, they're, they're all there, Artemis, Eros, Aphrodite, um, Zeus. It is just that some of the dancing is incredible. So so is ballet your crush or the Australian David ballet? McAllister. Oh, David is. Because oh, A, I saw Oh, because he speak, programmed it. Programmed and then I went and saw – well, he, well, he sort of runs it all, doesn't he? Yeah. And he we does. actually went to a matinee, which I don't normally do with ballet, but I enjoyed the matinee. Oh, the matinee was good. Caro, that's a sign of old age. Oh, no, I disagree. Well, it's a sign of, you know, being um, at the moment. I don't know whether it's spring or footy finals. But Darla, sometimes I, was a bit wor- I was a bit worried about you yesterday because, sometimes the, it's because really- the text that came through, this is not when you were applying to my dinner invitation, the text that came through, oh, I've got, a, a, I've got bridge and then I've got a ballet matinee. I know. How good is that? Well, and we came second to bridge too. Bloody old ladiesville, isn't it? <laughs> I thought you were a big ballet fan. No, I am, but there's something is that about an old a lady matinee. Thing? Well, it's something about a well, matinee. Well, actually, there were more younger people there because it was a matinee. There well, I suppose everybody kids. works odd hours now, so you get a different demographic. Oh, no. Well, I, I thought it was wonderful. Um, and I'm I glad. don't think it's old ladyish at all. I'm glad that you're happy about that. And now, Cara, we have BSF Books, Screen and Food. And we bring you this segment thanks to our mates at Vital Smarts. Feeling bullied or harassed by other people, but lacking the ability to confront the situation safely? I have to have a bit of a vital <laughs> smarts moment soon. Well, not if he wins. If developing your crucial conversation skills will give you the tools to talk when the stakes are high, giving you the confidence to speak up in even the toughest situation, Caro. Learn how Vital Smarts has helped organisations shift behaviours, change cultures and improve performance and just visit them on vitalsmarts.com.au slash DSTM. Now, you have a book. I do. I bought it from your shop a few weeks ago, and I have loved it. And I've fallen in love with this woman all over again. Her name is Elizabeth Taylor. And, in fact, there's a fascinating... um, I have to explain. It's not that, Elizabeth. Well, there's a fascinating forward in this new um, series. It's a Virago series. They've republished her. Um, And Sarah Waters, in the forward says that one of her theories as to why she didn't have the success that some of her contemporaries like Elizabeth Bowen, for example, did was because of her name and that people oh. used, people would get her confused, which is quite funny, isn't it? Oh, well, it? I know a Caroline Wilson who lives in Broadmeadows and she says the same thing, actually, that if it wasn't for you, she would be famous. Are you joking? Is that a joke? <laughs> 
Gideon Haig used to go out with a girl called Caroline Wilson, who was a journalist. I can tell you what, there are a lot of Corries, so you'll be scratching around for that anecdote. No, well, <laughs> I don't think I will be. But anyway, this novel is called A View from the Harbour. It's basically a faded sort of English coastal village, starts in winter, ends in summer. And it's basically the residents who live on the shore, on the coast, along the harbour and have the view of the harbour. And it's about four or five different groups of people, families, single people, widows, um, a family, a doctor, and it's all the little – It, you know, she writes about people – the criticism was that people don't um, act in her stories, they behave. I mean, there's not a huge amount of melodrama. It's just a wonderful novel about a few lives and how they all come together. Her writing is beautiful. There's a lot of um, – what, what? When was she born, died? What's her – Oh, she was born in um, 1912, I think, and this one I think is written when she was about 35. It's so written, mid-20th century. It's just post-war. Just and, post-war and when you were reading too. this, were you thinking of all the Cornish villages that we walk through? I'm thinking more faded fun parlours, old wax museums, very tragic old fish and chip shops. Like Blackpool or something. Yep. Yeah. I stayed there for a British Open once, but a golf tournament once. But um, there's a bit of Jane Austen in her, Corrie. She, my, remember, my grandmother loved her. I was reminded by my mother the other day. I read one of her novels years ago. She's wonderful. And I think you've got quite a few of them in the shop. I have. Well, as you said, Virago has, has re, uh, rediscovered her and republished her. So that is great. A view of the harbour. And she writes like a painter. Some of her descriptions of the of the harbour view and the people, just incredible. So I can highly recommend it. Now, you've got you've been on the old oh, Netflix. I am in the middle of a binge. So I've watched probably about 12 episodes so far. Thankfully, there are lots more, which is unusual for a Netflix series. It's called Designated Survivor. Oh. I know, it's the worst name in the world. I'll explain it in a minute. Sounds like a reality show. No, it's an American political thriller starring Kiefer Sutherland. Remember the old 24? Oh, oh I love that show. Yeah, particularly so, the earlier ones. So he – I just have to say, if you love The West Wing, you will love this designated survivor. Just can I inter- – are you sure it's Netflix? Oh. It's not SBS on demand. Buzz off. Okay. <laughs> Is it Netflix? Once a mistake – Forever to be known as. <laughs> I don't okay. want, don't want our poor definitely... listeners going to the wrong stream. <laughs> I've watched so many episodes, I can tell you. It is the Netflix icon on the television that you press. Good. Um, he play, Kiefer Sutherland plays Tom Kirkman, who is known as the designated survivor. And this apparently does exist in the White House. That is the official who has been selected to sit out of the president's address to the nation or any other presidential thing when he goes to Congress up the road. Just in case in the event of attack something happens, there's the designated survivor who takes over the government. I'm not giving anything away because all of this happens in the shorts in the very beginning. What happens is that there is a bombing of the Capitol building during the President's State of the Nation address. Tom Kirkman, who is a former architect, who is a low-level politician in the Cabinet, in fact, he's in charge of urban development and housing, he and his wife are sitting there having hamburgers, just watching the state of the, the the state of the nation address. Suddenly, the screen goes blank. He looks out the window, and the entire, like one half of Washington, is up in flames. 
It is what happens then, not just who did it. And that in itself is, involves a fantastic cast of characters. An FBI agent, Maggie Q, is the most wonderful actress. Um, but it's also about the political machinations of putting together government again. Uh, there's quite a bit of his personal story because, of course, the family all have to come and live in the White House. And, in fact, is the White House itself going to be under attack? This is an ensemble cast led by... Uh, our friend Kiefer Sutherland, who is also the executive producer. But a couple of uh, particular um, acting performances I did want to mention. Cal Penn, who is also a comedian, plays Seth Wright, the White House communications director. Brilliant. And Virginia Madsen plays the leader of the House of Rep- the leader the Republican leader. I love leader. her. Yep. Do you remember her in um, Sideways, oh, the think, wine the wine yep. movie? She was the love interest of Paul Giamatti, G- Giamatti, Giamatti yeah. aka Jake Nile, yeah. lookalike. Yep. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Virginia, she plays she, Virginia Marsden plays this Kimball Hook Stratton, who is the like the designated survivor. The Democrats have the designated survivor, who is Tom, and the Republicans also have one that doesn't go to the state of the nation address. And this is, of course, Kimball Hookstratton, and the two of them actually have to bring all of America back together again. It is brilliant. It is great. It goes on forever. Like, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes. I am full bottle on this, and I love it. It is called Designated Survivor. Don't hold the really bad title against it. Oh, no, no, it sounds great. Brendan will be happy because I'm always trying to sign on to new things like Stan and Amazon and Prime and whatever they're all called. But if there's something on a medium we already have, that's great. Yeah, well, it's really good. I mean, Debbie Enker wrote a terrific review of this a couple of weeks ago because it's been going to and fro in the States between Netflix and um, uh, free-to-air. And she did mention, which I agree, there's some really clunky script moments I forgive it. It's good. Now, Caro, I have a recipe, and I've you been do. wanting to say this recipe. You've for been a wanting of weeks. to give it your chocolate brownie recipe. I know. Well, it's actually weeks. it's actually not mine. It's my friend Georgia. So we had a kind of a meet the Fockers, even though we've met them before. Coco's partner Charlie. We went to visit his family in Geelong. Had a lovely lunch, and Charlie's sister Georgia whipped up these brownies, and it reminded me of when the kids were little. I went through a little bit of it, not very, didn't go for very long, but a bit of a brownie episode, you know, where you'd cook them on the Sunday and they'd have them in the lunches for the rest of the week. And this one is the Donna Hay recipe from eons ago. And oh, this, this is, is Anna from the Op Shops Brownie. Oh. She makes these. They're wonderful. Look, uh, look you know. I'm pretty sure hers is Donna I, Hay. I still reckon the Donna Hay traditional brownie recipe is just about the best going around. And you can, although the cookbook is long gone, although we can still get it in the bookshop, it is available on donnahay.com.au. Just saying. Here's what you need. 200 grams of dark chocolate, chopped. 250 grams of butter, chopped. One and three quarter cups of brown sugar. Four eggs a third of a cup of cocoa powder sifted, one and a quarter cups of plain all-purpose flour sifted, and a quarter of a teaspoon of baking powder. And what Georgia did was she preheated the oven to 160 degrees. She placed the chocolate and the butter in a saucepan over a low heat, stirring until smooth, allowed it to cool slightly, then placed the sugar, eggs, cocoa flour, and baking powder in a bowl, added the chocolate mixture, mixed it up to combine and then poured it into a 20-centimetre square slice tin lined with non-stick baking paper. That is always the key. And then you bake it for 50 minutes or until you put your little skewer in and it withdraws clean and then allow it to cool slightly in the tin before you slice it. And you can serve it warm or cold. It makes about 16 slices. We had it with raspberries and cream. Best pudding ever. 
great. And you don't, it doesn't have to be a pudding. Like you can oh, slice them up. And, yeah, but it's, yeah. it's such a good pudding idea because everybody loves it. So thanks, Georgia, for that. That's just a great recipe. Now, you're grumpy. Well, I couldn't make those brownies at the moment, Corrie, because I don't have an oven. Oh. And it is making me so grumpy. What a segue this is. Okay, flashback to 10 days ago, walk downstairs, the oven just doesn't work. Just stopped working overnight. Isn't it a new oven, Caro? Well, as it turns out, not new enough. Two and a half years and we had a two-year warranty. Apparently, we didn't pay the extra $300 or whatever it costs to extend that warranty by three years. I mean, who would have oh, thought? Brendan that, will be setting his hair on that, fire with that. Oh, well, no, that doesn't. He just wants the oven working again. I mean, what has happened is that requires a lot of phone calls back to the original person to find out you don't have a warranty. Then you ring the person to come and fix it. Make that appointment. There's a four-hour window on Monday, which is not a day that I really need to be at home for four hours. The guy arrives, looks at the oven. Well, I could have told them I can't. I need another serviceman for this. I've got to lift it out. It requires two people. They don't like us risking hurting ourselves. Have you got an able-bodied man here? I'm going, no, it's Monday afternoon. Couldn't you say I'm an able-bodied woman and I can lift? They don't like to risk certain people. I mean, they, what, it had to they be took a one look at you and well, said, well, she's off to I, bridge I, and I ballet. Said, <laughs> I said, we can lift it out. Well, I was actually meant to be at footy classified. I said, we can lift it. No, 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 no. We need an able-bodied man. And... And it How needs ridiculous. to be this. And we could do it. Did you like say this. I've had? I've been in childbirth. Well, I've been at gym that morning lifting weights. I mean, we could have lifted it out. He could have lifted it out, but it might have damaged the fascia board below, and that that is going to cost that the would oven. Really send Brendan's hair on fire. No, well, no, I wouldn't have cared less. But they would have had to pay to fix it, and they don't want to do that. So he leaves. We make. Oh no, I can't make another appointment. And actually, I'm having surgery this week, so I won't be able to help you. Another two or three hours of phone calls and I said, look, I'm a bit annoyed about this because you knew the make of the oven and he said once you knew the make, you should have known that it would take. I cannot tell you. Anyway, another week, I'm waiting till next week now when we've got a bit of notice so I can organise to have an able-bodied man there at very short notice and they're coming back to have another look at the oven this week and he said, look, how long is a piece of string? The mechanics now are so complicated, they just die sometimes. Oh! I'm going. Oh, you I should have paid the extra three hundred. Oh, that's so annoying. Well, that, that oven is not old. It's two and a half years that's old. That's ridiculous. Corrie. Would I'm you like? Really, to, would you like to name names of the brand? I have wasted. No, I have wasted more because I want them to. Would. I want them to turn up next <laughs> week. I, I have wasted, and th- and then I said, "This is a bit inconvenient." No, not having an oven. And you know what the woman on the phone said? Some people have their stovetop not working as well. I said, "Well." <laughs> What What's that got to do with the price of fish? Anyway, Think yourself ball. lucky. Now, Caro, six quick questions. And I did want to ask you about uh, about this um, interesting podcast. I listened to the first 20 minutes of it. Uh, the, you remember, of course, Mike Sheen was here and the payback was you had to go on his new podcast that he does with Sam Newman and I Don took Scott. one for the team, Corrie. Oh, gee. That's what I did. I tell you what, I was glad it was you and not me. On a scale of one to ten, how enjoyable was your recent appearance? And before you answer, just getting back to Megan Rule, our listener, she said, I just listened to Caro and Sam and on Mike's You Can't Be Serious podcast. Amusing and interesting. Sam indicated at the start he was hoping to bury the hatchet, but he had a few other ancient weapons he dug up well handled Caro. I found it amazing. Let's have a listen. Do either of you think that... No, don't ask that question. What's the question? Well, do you think either of us got anywhere with this? No, my advice to Sam would be don't be bitter about life and don't worry about... I'm, I'm a pretty forgiving person, Sam. 
Oh, well, you never forgave me is, for, for, for the mannequin thing. No, that's not that's not true. That's not true, Sam. I moved I on. I apologise to you. Years you ago. Said, oh, you were angry about you. You uh, took did, to me. He, you didn't apologise. You rang me up and you said, "If you quit Channel Nine over this, you're weak." That's I, what you said. You, uh, uh, that's exactly what you said, Sam. Anyway, I know, and I'm, I said, "If you're offended, I will apologise." And you said, "I accept your apology," and that's the end of the matter. And it's never been the end of the a, matter. A bit of it, no, it it, it was. Thanks. I thought you carried Listen, on about it. Sam, all I would say is don't don't worry about the long memory. Don't be bitter. My great disappointment in you about that was those crazy comments that really hurt you and your network about women board members. But anyway, you shouldn't have said that about women board members. Women board members on you don't know what have I made said. an enormous difference. This is another difference. one of your... Um, no, 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 this is another one of your... Bye. nonsensical statements. I will say goodbye. Thanks for coming in. God, you know what, Cara? That just reminds me of the old days at the pub with 10 men yelling at you and you're trying to make your point about football. Oh. Well, not really 10 men. It was just Sam. Um, Mike. Difficult. Mike sort of didn't really have that much to say. And Don Scott <laughs> was so quiet. I know. Where was Scotty? So on a scale of 1 to 10, you how enjoyable. want enjoy- to be in the trenches with those two. <laughs> how enjoyable was that experience? Oh, look, it was just an hour I'll never get back, as I said the other night. It was just one of those things you do. He is so angry. As um, a person well known to you, and I said, Sam sounded like a grumpy neighbour at a VCAT hearing, which I thought was quite a funny line. No, look, um, he I think he'd gone back over the archives to find times when he felt I'd been politically incorrect to throw back at me. And one was completely inaccurate and one I hadn't even actually done. It was someone else who I was sitting with at the time. It was just one of those sad examples. Of course, I, for- I forgave him for the mannequin thing. I've done stand-up things on stage with him to raise money for people. What has upset me more recently is his behaviour about other issues, including the Essendon drug scandal and his treatment of Adam Goods. But anyway, that's Sam. Oh, well, you don't get that hour back. Now, the third Democratic presidential primary debate is on in Houston this week, not the Houston Ballet Company, which is... I love the way you say Houston rather than Houston, but yeah, go on. Who's your candidate to watch this week, Corrie? Elizabeth Warren. Oh, again? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still watching it. So she's really – well, you, look, as others are stumbling, including Joe Biden, so the top tier is Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. And Bernie is increasingly having to feel back this thing that he's a socialist. That's going to be difficult for him. Joe Biden keeps losing the plot and, and going off script and causing all sorts of mayhem. And Elizabeth Warren is just sticking to her knitting. Um, the only interesting thing I think to watch also, if you could bear the three hours, which of course I'll be doing and Miss Jane will, but you won't be. I know you're not really interested that much. Three but hours. Three hours of debate. Can you believe it? Um, just watch Cory Booker. I bet Miss Jane doesn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Janie. You'd love a bit of democratic politics. And you don't um, have time to either, Cory. Don't be ridiculous. Corey, just watch out for Cory Booker. That's all I'm saying. Now, Caro, I can't believe the age of these actors sometimes when I think, oh, they're about my age. Michael Keaton celebrates his 68th birthday this week. Oh, that made me feel old. Well, he's got 10 years on us, which makes me feel a bit better. Uh, what's your favourite Michael Keaton movie? Definitely Birdman or, oh, the, yeah. or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance, I think was the subtitle. He didn't take much silver home for that role, which No, he plays an actor famous for playing a superhero, hence the Birdman title, trying to get a Broadway play off the ground. He's got shocking family issues. Um, I think Emma Stone, in fact, plays his daughter. It is just the acting 
It's a bit sort of surreal. Edward Norton's the other guy in it. Naomi Watts is in it. And Lindsay Duncan, you know, that gorgeous blonde English actress yes, who's do. in everything. It's one of the, oh, seriously, it's one of the best films I've ever seen. I did love him in um, Spotlight. Oh, yes. The Boston Globe Spotlight investigative team that uncovers all of that pedophilia child in the abuse. Catholic Church. Yeah. yeah, child sex abuse. He was very good. And he's a great actor. He great, is. Great actor. Now, if you could choose one art form, Corrie, to be exceptionally good at, ballet, singing, painting, writing, I know what you're going to say, playing a musical instrument, what would it be? How did you know I'd say that? Playing a musical instrument? Yeah. Because I know you've always wanted, you're a closet pianist. You would love to be able to play the piano. Well, oh, I, I got, it's true. I, I remember that about you. Well, thanks. I've known you for a long time. <laughs> but I got to grade five. I don't know about closet. I mean, I got to grade five piano, which is pretty significant because if I'd stayed another year, I could have done it as a matric subject. Well, you used to always have a piano in your house. I know. Where's the piano now? Oh, I had to sell it to pay for the food. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh please. No, you should have kept the piano. Oh, we actually moved into a smaller house. I know. I know. Look, you're right. Of all the things, I mean, I, when I go to the ballet, I, I wish I could do dancing. And when I go to a concert and hear someone like our friend Deb Conway sing, I want to be a singer. And when I go to a great acting performance, I start pretending that I'm accepting the Oscar in front of the mirror. Did you ever do that? No. I'd like to thank my mum and dad. Actor. I have to, Oh, I've always wanted to act. But- Really playing the piano would be my thing. So there you go. Now, well, it's good that I remember that, isn't it? I would oh, give anything to be a good dancer. I would love to be able to hit the D floor and just wow everyone. But <laughs> You're not too bad. No, I'm not great. In your own I've only kind got of about three moves, let's face ballet it. Ballet matinee sort of way. <laughs> um, now, Caro, Essendon's Michael Hurley with injury, and I just wondered whether you have ever played or gone out with an injury. Oh, that's an interesting question. Um uh, well, I mean, I've gone to work. I mean, you know, my views about my children hate this. Oh, mum doesn't believe in sick days. I very rarely take sick days. And I've often gone to work with a bad cold or something like that. But I don't think I've ever gone out sort of injured. Have you? Yeah. Last year, remember when I went on the Adelaide girls trip oh, the to golf play trip. golf? Yep. And yep. three days before I had pulled my Achilles, I played three rounds of golf, admittedly in a cart, but even so, you've got to walk to your ball, you've got to walk up, down into bunkers, all that sort of stuff. And when I got back, the physio said, you have almost done irreparable damage by doing this. But I kept on. I kept on like a good trooper. Oh, that was a I bit... played shocking golf. But anyway, that was a bit stupid. Now, you've got a GLT. I do. Caro, it's lighter in the mornings, in case you haven't noticed. I have. And I would be suggesting that people follow their body clocks and try and get up an hour earlier because it's so lovely outside. Now, my thing at the moment, because I've, been, I've lost the reading habit this year for um, reasons obvious and unexplainable. Um, I have started reading in bed in the social morning. media. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Will you shut up about that? God, you sound like in the bedroom at Cornwall. Turn your phone off. Well, You're doing too much Instagramming. I witnessed it with my own eyes, Corrie. <laughs> I witnessed it. Oh, with my, my own lordy. Eyes. So, anyway, I've started reading in bed. I, I'm naturally awake at 5 or 5.30, and I'm reading for half an hour to get a cup of tea, and I go back to bed. And it is such a lovely, quiet time, you know, whether you've got sleeping people beside you or in the house with you or whatever, the dog's still asleep. And you know that you're going to do exercise or all those other things in a little while, but just to take that time out. So, I'm suggesting that everybody make the most of this beautiful sunshine that's popped up early in the morning and go get them. Aren't we ready for spring? I don't think I've ever felt more ready for spring than this year. It's mm. just some of us didn't have such a long beach holiday as others in oh, the middle of the year. Hasn't August been shocking though in Melbourne? 
it's been really pretty miserable. And um, sadly, I got to Sydney where it's been pretty much 20 to 25 mm. every day for weeks. And the day I arrived, the rain started raining. But Carol, anyway, I still been, had a good Well, time. I'm glad you came back to us, Dahl. It's good to see you. And I would like to thank all of our potties for listening. And of course, thank you, Miss Jane, our producer, for putting all of this together. Our 100th episode is next week. And we hope that we will uh, hear from you. In particular, I wanted to throw a little uh, challenge to our potties. I'm very interested next week, Caro, to tackle with our crowd. Where do you listen or what do you like to do? Where do you listen to this podcast? What do you like to do as you listen to this podcast? Is it part of your weekly routine? And if it is, is there a particular thing you do while you're, you know, I don't want X-rated stuff. Thanks very much. But let's just have some feedback on the Don't Shoot Pod Instagram account. Or well, I don't think there'd Facebook. be anything X-rated. Well, what would you be doing that's X-rated listening to a podcast? Anna from the Op Shop has Here's got your a, imagination. She can tell us about it next week because she's going to be. At I the have heard men episode. say that you have a very sexy voice. Cara. Oh, I don't know about that, Corey. But send it, your suggestions to the Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page, or as I said, Don't Shoot Pod, which is our Instagram account, or you can just send it to feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. We would love to hear from you. Thank you to Vital Smarts, globally proven crucial conversations, hold tough conversations well. And, of course, as I said to Miss Jane and Caro, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger, Corrie.